1: Week on your favorite soap operas. It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, recaps, and interviews with your favorite daytime stars. Now, here's Dan.
0: It's Friday, July 15th, and we are live this week for another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and I have to tell you, I am really looking forward to today's show. I'm sure that I've said it here on the show before, but in case you missed it or in case I'm hallucinating, I love talking to people who are passionate about soap operas. It's just a fact, and I think that it's probably one of the main reasons that I agreed to do this show in the first place. There is just something to be said for people who get the soaps. You know, the people who don't always love the stories or the characters, but somehow and for some reason they remain loyal and supportive to their shows— and my guest this week falls into that category. At least I think so. But before I bring her on to the show, just a reminder that if you want to join in on the discussion with us, you can give us a call at 866 472 5788. It is a toll free number. And if for some reason your phone's shy, you can also tweet your questions and comments at Soap Central Live. It would also be great if you'd follow us, and that way you can keep up to date on the discussion and upcoming guests and show news. It'll be a really good time for you today on the show. So let's get on to today's show. They say that everyone is entitled to their opinion. And for 14 years, my guest this week has been sharing her opinion in the aptly titled Soap Opera Digest feature, It's Only My Opinion. But Carolyn Hinsey doesn't just offer her opinions. I like to think that she offers sort of gentle nudgings in the hopes that our favorite soaps can be the best that they can be. Now, Carolyn has written the new book, Afternoon Delight Why Soaps Still Matter, and she's here today to talk about just that, Why Soaps Still Matter. So, Carolyn, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thank you very much. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It is Friday. Uh, It's going to be a a good weekend, I think. We have some good soap news coming out for a change, so that's always a a, a good way, I think, to kick off a weekend. Yes, I agree. (laughs) I mentioned, of course, you are a soap expert, so we have to dial it back a little bit and let everybody know, how were you first introduced to the soaps, and what was it about the soaps that got you hooked?
2: Well... You know, I'm such a cliche because it was Luke and Laura like, you know, 30 million other people. But I was in college at Indiana University and everybody in my story house watched Luke and Laura, you know, starting with, you know, the rape, which turned into, of course, the seduction and going on a run and, and the wigs and the, you know, sheet hung between them and, you know, hurry up and wait, uh, for two years until they got married at the quote mayor's mansion. And I was completely hooked by then. And then, of course, you start watching, well, what's the show before at One Life? And what's the show before that? All My Children. <laughs> and, oh, look, there's Ryan Hope. And, you know, <laughs> just sort of was a juggernaut that's still driving.
0: <laughs> well, how many soap operas have you watched over the years?
2: I've watched some of every soap. I uh, got my job at Soap Opera Digest in 92. So I've watched pretty much every show since then. And before that, I was basically an ABC girl.
0: Okay. Now, well, you mentioned, of course, working for Soap Opera Digest. I'm curious, has anything changed from the fact that uh, when you were a fan of the soaps, has your love of soaps in any way changed because of the fact that it is now a career?
2: That's a really good question, Dan. Um, I would say no, but familiarity does take a tiny bit of the edge off admiration. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, I remember when I was a writer at the Daily News. There was a the publicist at One Life who wanted me to write about a day in the life of a soap opera, so they offered me a job as, you know, they, they made me a photographer. And I don't know how, that, how far back you go, but it was the Max's Back Party. It was oh, wow. um, the Halloween party, and I was the photographer hired to follow Ace Buchanan around the party. And so I went to work, and I went there at like seven in the morning, and they had a costume for me of the costume party. And they put makeup, and they gave me a fake camera. And I was I had to just follow Phil Carrey around the whole day. And it was the funniest thing in the world. He was so annoyed by me. But, you know, but of course, I'm a reporter. I'm supposed to be doing a day in the life of a soap opera. So, hey, Phil, you're talking to me. And then, you know, there's Bob Woods and John LaPreneur. I think that day was having a baby, and it was this whole really crazy, fun day. But it went until 2.30 in the morning.
0: Wow. So
2: a day in the life was really 20 hours in the life. You know, And then, of course, it aired over a couple of episodes, but it was really fun, really exciting, but really exhausting and tiring. And, of course, I was getting paid as a reporter at the Daily News to hang out for 20 hours in high heels and a costume. And I think most of the actors were making slightly more than I was making.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when you're talking about something that it is, I mean, for a lot of people out there who are fans, they think that what you and I do is incredibly, uh, I, I don't want to necessarily say glamorous, but they think that it, it's to be close to the folks who they admire and who they love. They think that there's, there's probably nothing better on the planet than to do just that. I, I have to say that I enjoy what I do, so uh, I'd imagine you, you feel the same way, of course.
2: I love what I do, absolutely. But you're not interviewing the characters, you're interviewing the actors. Right. So, I mean, I can't tell you how many times they interviewed an actor, and I said, you know, what do you think of your storyline? And they said, oh, I hate it. I can't stand my co-star. And I would say, well, we probably shouldn't say that. So what can we say? You know, is wow. it interesting? Is it, you know, are you looking forward to seeing where it's going? You know, because fans don't want to know that. And, you know, so Barbara Digest's job was to plug the shows, plug the stories. If an actor really wanted to come out and say something important and, and um. I don't know, not trashy, but, you know, difficult about a co-star. We were careful about that. And, you know, the shows depended on us to do that. And and I think when you look back on it, I'm glad that we were that way. And I think it behooved the shows, the actors, the stories, and I think the fans. I don't think fans want to know, you know, if Bo and Hope weren't getting along in the 80s. You know, Chris Alfonso and Peter Reckle, which I wrote about in the book,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: they've worked it out now, 25 years later, but... I don't think people really wanted to know that they weren't speaking in 1984. You know, it, it kind of wrecks what you're watching on screen. And and the fantasy of it is why we tune in.
0: Well, let me quick make the connection. I don't know if, uh, if I forgot to ask, but when did you go from being the soap fan to being someone who uh, this was their job? How did that all come about?
2: Well, I was a TV writer at the Daily News, and then... uh The TV editor said, "You watch soaps, don't you?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, write about this, write about that, and you know, uh, go to One Life to Live and be an extra and write about a day in the life of a soap." And I just started getting assigned things because I watched them, and then writing more and more and more about them, which was really fun. And you know, back in those days, there were a ton of New York soaps, and you know, all my kids in One Life were right in my neighborhood, so I mean, nothing was more fun than you know, heading over to Pine Valley or Landview for the day. (laughs) and then, you know, I, Lynn called me up in, uh, 91, I think it was, or 92, and said, do you want to have lunch? And we had lunch, and I w- was watching, it's Cliff family, I was watching the Soap Opera Digest Awards, and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. This magazine has its own award show, mm-hmm. you know, hosted by Kelsey Grammer, Paul Reiser, all these big famous NBC stars, and every single soap star is at the Hilton, at this huge dinner, just like the Golden Globes. And if you work at the magazine, you get to go and kind of be important. So it was right around the same time, and I thought, you know, this would be a fun career change. <laughs> so I jumped to Digest in 92, and I'm so happy I did, and I've never really looked back.
0: Well, in that time, you've written, I would probably say, hundreds of It's Only My Opinion columns.
2: Well, you figure 52 a year for 15 years. so. I've got my
0: abacus out here. Hold on. <laughs>
2: At the one, <laughs>
0: seven, the about seven hundred eighty columns, give or take. That's okay. a lot of. That's a lot of columns.
2: That is a lot of columns. It's a lot of opinions, but fortunately. There's a lot of things to have opinions about on soap. So it's really doesn't
0: <laughs> oh, no. matter every week of cutting it down. <laughs> well, let's – let oh, gosh. There's a whole bunch of, of different ways to go on that. With saying that there are a whole bunch of things to have opinions about, I think we both know and everyone listening knows that some fan bases for characters or couples or whatnot are more vocal, shall we say, than others. Yeah. Uh, what happens when you write something and – You know, it seems that it's not well-received because maybe the fans think that you're you're picking on a particular character or a particular actor when that may not be the case. How do you handle that?
2: Well, you get tons of hate mail, tons of hate email. Uh, One of the best slash worst ones was, oh gosh, I don't know, eight years ago or something like that, when I liked Jason with Liz on General Hospital more than I liked Jason with Sam. I, you know, Sam wasn't related to Alexis at the time. She didn't really have a sense of humor. She was kind of low energy. I didn't quite see the appeal. Jason was already low energy, so I kind of liked him with Liz, who was a little more bubbly and warm.
3: And I liked
2: the difference in their characters more. I think Jason and Sam were more similar. And I just wrote a column about how, you know, I liked them better. And it was, I got bombarded. You know, but like my, my boss used to always say, "Well, good then, we're touching a nerve and and we're striking a chord, and and people are passionate, and we want our readers to be passionate." So, good for you.
0: Uh, for those but, of you who may be I always, t- did,
2: always did print hate letters in my column. I just thought it was the funniest thing. Someone, my favorite one I ever got was, "You are stupid, and that's putting it easy." <laughs>
0: I guess you have to have a, a good sense of humor. When you're putting your opinions out there, you have to be prepared to hear from the other side. Of course, absolutely. For those of you out there who may just be tuning in, I'm talking to Carolyn Hinsey, who, of course, you may know from Soap Opera Digest, but she has also put out a new book called Afternoon Delight, Why Soaps Still Matter. And We're going to talk about that and let everybody know how they can get their copy. But I, I find it interesting because of the fact that as I mentioned, everyone is entitled to their opinions, Carolyn. So, have there been some columns for you that have been harder? or is there one column that stands out in your mind that was f- much harder to write than some of the others?
2: Um, hmm. Well, when I'm really angry, it's hard for me to write a column that doesn't that's still kind of funny and entertaining. Um, like the, the the ABC canceled One Life and All My Children on April 14th, a day that I had already written a column, which of course I scrapped and went and wrote a whole nother column. But I spent about 12 hours on it because I, I was so angry and I didn't understand the decision. I was so mad. I didn't know who to blame. I was pretty much the same as all the fans that day. It's like, what are you mm-hmm. kidding me? You know, and of course, I'm also a reporter, so I'm calling my actor friends and calling producers, and what do you know, and when did they tell you, and what do you think? And you know so I've got a reporter hat on over here, and I've got a critic hat on over there, and I'm trying to understand it the same as everybody else. But I had to really dial myself back before I turned the column in, um, because you know like a thousand words of just spewing anger isn't really entertaining. Never mind the fact that it was coming out two weeks later in the magazine. So it still had to be kind of funny and still make the point. So that was, that was a hard one. That was a hard one because there's nothing funny about that.
0: Well, uh, we know that soap fans, of course, uh, everybody. I don't think it was just All My Children, One Life to Live fans. There were fans of all of the soaps that day that were, it was, you know, Black Thursday. But... In terms yeah. of fans, we have uh, a couple that are waiting on the line, so I want to bring some of them in here to chat with us quickly. Okay. Uh, we have Bonnie from Massachusetts. Bonnie, you're on Soap Central Live with me and Carolyn Hinsey.
2: Hello, Dean. Hello, Carolyn. Carolyn, I've been following your article since I was eighth grade back, oh gosh, 22 years ago, 14 years ago, and I got a couple questions. With the dying off of soaps right now, like the Black Thursday, about hearing about One Light to Live and AMC, right? Why do you think yeah. soaps are going to be obsolete soon? Why don't I think soaps will be obsolete? Why do? Why are they? Why? Well, I don't think they are. I don't think soaps are obsolete at all. Well, I don't um, either, but it seems like every single year, it's like the last year is As the World Turns, the year before it's Guiding Light, now the double whammy of One Light to Live and All My Children only thing you'd have left in the air for TV fans are, quite Bold and the Beautiful General Hospital, you know, and the rest of the days of our lives? Right, that's true. Well, I think your main problem is that the network executives don't understand why people watch soaps, mm-hmm. and they don't understand the connection to soaps that viewers have. Right. And I think as time goes on, maybe it's cheaper to produce Let's Make a Deal, which replaced Guiding Light mm-hmm. in the New York market. Mm-hmm. But there's no attachment to it. No one can, I mean, I don't know anybody it's DVRing it, it's not a destination, you catch it if you feel like it, you know, you don't watch it for weeks and you turn it on and it's there. It's not like a soap. Right. Every single day you're watching it or DVRing it or, you know, going online to read what happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like the pendulum is going to swing back, which is kind of why I wrote this book. Right. I, can't get, I get it, it they. executives over the head with a mallet and say if you want all your fans to run to cable, you know, you already lost Oprah, you're going to lose Regis, now you're losing Erica Kane and Victoria Lord. You know, I wrote in my opinion column a few months ago. You're going to have Kelly Ripa, The View, GH, and Tumbleweed. You know, rolling through your lineup from <laughs> nine in the morning till five in the afternoon. Five, <laughs> exactly. But I get um, see. I my first soap opera I really get into in eighth grade was Loving slash The City. Right. Did you ever get involved with them? Oh yeah, I actually played a juror on uh, Loving. That's what uh, right. you three. did. That's the first episode I caught it on. You I remember really? that now. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Good old well, hairstyles. And one other thing I got for you um, is um, now I heard that there are canceling soaps. Everything's going to go via Internet. How much ratings do you think that's going to get for viewers?
0: Well, hold on. Before really you not. answer that, uh, Bonnie, we're going to talk about that coming up in the next segment. There's something soaps. It's all about the cliffhanger and the tease. Carolyn and I are going to definitely talk about that uh, coming up. So you want to stay tuned for that.
2: I definitely will. But I have one last question for uh, Ian and um, Carolyn. If you could choose um, a favorite soap in the past or present, which one do you think it would be? Ooh.
3: You you know would it changes all, all the time.
2: time. It changes all the time. I mean, it, Santa Barbara was fantastic. I used yeah, to I loved love Santa Barbara. loving, yeah. you know, the GH Nurses Ball were some of my very favorite episodes. I mean, mm-hmm. I can point to every single show, honestly. Mm-hmm. i tell you, there are things that I just absolutely loved about it, so I could never just pick one. Right, exactly. I think my favorite one has been canceled for a while with Generations.
0: Thank you. I think we lost Bonnie. Bonnie, I want to thank you for calling in. we going to take Oh, there you thank are. You. Thanks,
2: Bonnie. No, my... okay, uh, mine was Generations and it was Santa Barbara. The two have been canceled. Wait, oh, i no, sorry. I'm sorry. You will always have YouTube, though, Bonnie. You know, well, I love you. YouTube. There's only so many mini clips. You can get the whole thing. Well,
0: yeah, thank you for true. calling in, Bonnie. We want thank to make sure that we get to week some weekend. of the other callers. Thank you. Thank you, too. Uh, One of the things I was listening, and uh, I'm taken, of course, by the fact you say that it changes. You're you're being honest about uh, your favorite soaps, Carolyn. One of the things that I wonder if is lost sometimes in the column from some folks is that you don't use your opinion column because you dislike the soaps or because you you want to trash a particular character or a soap. What you do is all about wanting to make the soaps better.
2: Well, thank you. I try to do that, and I try to just kind of shine a light on, okay, this story isn't really working over here, but hey, look over here. You know, it's a final record, you know, or a CD, and, you know, there's three songs you really, really love, and there's a couple songs you kind of like, and there's one song you can't stand. I mean, that's how it's open. There's always four, five, six stories going on at once, and, I I mean, I personally never like a new character. It takes me a really long time to get used to them, stop taking time away from the people I liked. Yeah. You know, we're creatures of habit, soap fans. We don't want it. We don't like change. We don't want to have to adjust to something new. You know, we hate recasts. Oh, my gosh. I think it was five years before I could call, you know, uh, Peter Bergman Jack Abbott. Um, so those are things kind of built in. You know, soap fans get it. And I think that's built into my column. I'm not saying fire these people or don't ever write them again. I'm saying, really, Ridge and Taylor, really? <laughs>
0: Well, I have to let everybody out there know that Carolyn's book has prompted me to do something that I said I would never do. Never done it before, didn't think I would do it, but I ended up doing it. Any ideas uh-huh. what it might be, Carolyn? No? <laughs> well, for everybody out there, if you want to know what it is, you're going to have to wait a few more minutes. The answer's coming up on the other side of this commercial, so stay tuned for more of Soap Central Live. Talk,
4: talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the Daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, soapcentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow.
1: Is your sexual relationship satisfying? Do you have a nagging question about sex and you can't find the answer? Tune into Sex in Our Cities with hosts Donna Kane Francis and Robin Potter Kimball. Two advanced practice registered nurses are here to answer all of your questions about sex and relationships. Each issue will be presented in an objective, unbiased perspective designed to educate and empower you to make healthy decisions and bring about change in your life. Sex in Our Cities is broadcast live Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's
1: it.
4: VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and I am joined this week by Carolyn Hinzey. Carolyn, welcome back. Thank you. We, before the break, I was mentioning that Carolyn's book, Afternoon Delight, Why Soaps Still Matter, inspired me to do something that I said I would never do. And during the break, I was telling Carolyn what the answer is. But for you guys out there, I downloaded an ebook version of Afternoon Delight. I, Carolyn, said I would never download an ebook. I'm someone who likes to have the, the, the pages between my fingers. I like to, you know, bend the little tabs down and hear the crinkle yep. of the book. But, you know, I, I have a tablet device and I thought this would be a great chance to, to sort of see what all the hubbub is about. And <laughs> sure enough, I'm, I'm, I'm zipping through. It's not hard to read. I'm loving it. It's a, it's a good, happy thing. Oh, so, thank
2: you very much. I'm glad.
0: Well, and beyond that, uh, something. For folks out there, because I have, I don't know about everybody else listening, I have enough electronic equipment uh, for a lifetime. I don't need anything else. I don't need another TiVo. I don't need another computer. Oh my gosh. Uh, so the fact that you don't need anything that you don't already have, you can even uh, download the book on your computer. It's a free Kindle application that you get for your computer. So you don't even need to buy anything to be able to get the ebook. It's kind of cool, I thought anyway.
2: Well, welcome to 2011.
0: (laughs) You know, for somebody whose career is based off on the Internet, you would think that I would be a little more high-tech, but I still have sticky notes. You know what?
2: It's hard to keep track of everything. Everything with an eye in front of it now, you just can't even keep track. What's this plug to Believe Me? I understand.
0: Oh, my gosh. So let's dial it back a little bit, and I have to find out what inspired you to write the book Afternoon Delight.
2: Well... Last fall, um, I was approached by Fourth Street Media, which is a publishing house in Los Angeles. I had a mutual friend with uh, the guy that founded the company. And we had lunch, and I had a couple different book ideas, and I threw this one out. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. You're an expert. The timing is right. Let's do that one. So we struck a deal. We shook hands over lunch. And I just started writing. And I wasn't sure what it was going to be until I started writing it, you know. And I started researching soaps, and everything I uncovered Was so interesting to me, and I thought to myself, if I've been doing this twenty years, and I didn't know, you know, there were seventy radio soaps on the air at one point, and that half of all the housewives in America watched As the World Turns in the sixties. I mean, there were so many things that were that were surprising to me, and as I uncovered them, I thought, well, if I'm surprised, chances are the people that haven't spent their whole career writing about soaps are going to be surprised also. And then I figured at the end of the book, if I could bring it all back around, and smack a couple network executives on the head with it, and say, "Stop canceling these shows and start valuing them," you know, put a little money into promotions, you know, appreciate the connection, you know, uh, figure fix the rating system, you know, all these things that would give you a true reading of why folks matter and why they're so important to millions and millions of us who watch them every day. Then maybe I will have written a good book and you know, saved a couple of soaps along
0: the way. Uh, gosh, a couple of questions just popped into my head about that. First, the, the simple one. Was writing a book ever on your, your bucket list of things to do?
2: No. <laughs> to be honest,
0: no. Okay. That, that, well, no.
2: I mean, I started a newspaper. so my right. I started writing an article a day, and then I went to Digest and wrote, you know, a, a interviews or a column or a, a week, or edited, you know, whatever part of the magazine I was responsible for, a week. So, writing a book, I mean, I remember the publisher telling me it had to be like 50,000 words, and I thought, oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think, that's a lot of words, Carolyn. <laughs> wow. You know, but if, but if you, I mean, really, I have to say it wasn't that hard. If anyone out there is thinking of writing a book, if you just kind of go chapter by chapter, I mean, I started kind of in the middle and then I worked my way forward to the research and backwards to the conclusions. And, you know, really, I mean, there were so many things that once I started researching, I wanted to know more about. Like, um, you know, now we do not have a good African-American representation on the folks, really. But back in the day, in the 50s and 60s, cops, firemen, uh, mayors, police chiefs, lawyers, were played by African-Americans. Like, you know, Billy D. Williams and Cecily Tyson and James Earl Jones started on Another World in Guiding Light. So, I mean, think about that, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Back in 30, 40, 50 years ago, you had better representation of African Americans in positions of power on soaps than you have in 2011. It's ridiculous.
0: Well, that's a a chapter in the book, and it's not just African American families. There are a few Latinos. There are no Asians. Uh, I mean, there's a total lack of diversity, and I have to wonder, if the soaps were more diverse, do you think that more people would tune in because they could see people who sort of looked like themselves?
2: Yes, a thousand percent. But that's one of the things I talk about in the book, because Agnes Nixon had trained under Erna Phillips, the mother of the you know modern American soap opera who created Painted Dreams in 1930 for the radio. And she had hired Agnes, and Agnes had ri- risen to be head writer of Guiding Light and figured out how to write social issue stories with Burt Bauer's um, pap smear in the early 60s. But she had paid it to Agnes, you know, she's super smart, obviously, but she paid attention. And she had recognized that when you introduce new people onto a canvas or a new family, fans resist. So when mm. she created One Life, uh, in 1968, actually 42 years to the day, 43 years ago today, right. she debuted, Um, she created a black family, she had a central story involving Carla Gray, who was a, a black person passing as white, But she gave her a mom, Sadie, that everybody loved, who worked at the hospital, and she created a triangle where Sadie, where uh, Carla was black, passing as white, with a white boyfriend, and also with a black boyfriend, and it was a very, very controversial story. But it's the show started with an African American family, so it made it easier, you know, through the years to try and keep the presence. And obviously, remember when they created Angel Square and they brought in uh, the Vega brothers? It wasn't. Mm -hmm. It it, it just seemed normal that Landview would have you know, all this diversity, versus what I call Whiteville, which is some of the other shows where it's a lot more jarring to bring. And I don't think people reject them because of their color, they just reject them because they're new and they're different.
0: Well, listening to you, this is one of the things that I, I really liked about the book, is that... It's easy to think, okay, you know, you're the opinion lady for a lot of people. They think, oh, you know, maybe this is just going to be a book of of telling people uh, I love soap, save them, save them. And while you do give a lot of, of reasons why the soaps are important, why they should be saved and make a, a lot of arguments, there's also in Afternoon Delight, there's also a history aspect that I love from starting out and explaining sort of how the soaps came uh, to be to explaining who the key names were in the start of the soaps that everyone should know? Your Erna Phillips, uh, the Bells, Agnes Nixon, uh, Corday's. I mean, right. that I name. found that I found so much more interesting than what I expected. I mean, it, it's not. Don't think it's a textbook out there, everybody. This isn't. This isn't homework. But there's. <laughs> I mean, I want to scare them away. On the flip side, but there, there's so much in reading this that you may not be familiar with. So, so Someone who uh, called in a, a couple of bits ago. Uh, I, I can't recall uh, what was uh, her name was, but you Bonnie? know she watched. Yeah, she see my name, my self with names. Sometimes they they zoom in there and they zoom out. I'm just happy I remember who Erica and Vicky and Victor are. That's enough. <laughs> um, but you know she said that she started watching during Loving in the City. So I mean there was a whole lot of soap history before then, and for someone like Bonnie, it may be. Uh, unfamiliar with some of the other soaps, it really is interesting to see how they started, what some of these taboo issues were. Uh, I I like that aspect of the book, and I have to imagine that that was intentional on your part to not just come across as, you know, fangirl, soap lady.
2: (laughs) Well, I wanted to show the evolution from how they started to when we all kind of jumped in. I mean, obviously, the high point of soaps was Luke and Laura November 16th, 1981, when 30 million people tuned in. And, you know, they were on the cover of Newsweek magazine, and it was a huge, huge moment for daytime TV in the country. And that's kind of where people, um, sta- a lot of people now started with folks like me. Um, but there was a whole gigantic evolution before that. And each, you know, like moving from radio to television, there, you know, I have a whole chapter about all the things that they had to adjust to, which was fascinating to me. I mean, on radio, it didn't matter what anybody looked like. It only yeah. mattered what they sounded like. So here you are moving your, you know, guiding light from radio to television. Well, you have to replace half your actors because they don't look like who they're supposed to be. Isn't that so interesting?
0: Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons I'm on radio. Uh, Because it doesn't (laughs) matter. Um, (laughs) But, you know, no, I mean, reading that and you don't really think about it. I I mean, look at all the folks. I mean, I know it's animated, but... Do you, does anybody really think that any of the actors voicing the Simpsons or you know Scooby Doo or anything like that looked exactly like their characters? So, you know, you sort of get this this vision in your mind, but I doubt that anybody really considered that somebody who may be, you know playing thirty or twenty on a radio soap could have been sixty or seventy right. in real life. Exactly,
2: exactly. It was so interesting, and there were you know when Guiding moved from radio to television, they were nervous and they hedged their bets. So they kept both shows for four years. So the actors are running down the street from CBS Radio to CBS TV because both shows were live to do the live show on radio and then run down the street and then do the show again live for television, which think about the visual of that. <laughs> it's just so hilarious to me. <laughs> and, you know, I'm researching this book thinking, well, that can't be right. I mean, you know, that couldn't have happened. I mean, there's one story about Bill Bell when he created Young and the Restless. He left days and went to create Y&R and Y&R was a was pretty I mean, a Big Flash in the beginning. And then Dave sued him and made him come back as head writer. So he had two shows on the air opposite each other that he was the head writer of for like two years.
0: So that ex- explains it. For the Emmys this year, I was doing some research. Uh, and I looked back and I thought, well, wait a minute. How can he be nominated as head writer for two soaps? I thought, oh, that must be where there was a cr- uh, the crossover from leaving one soap to another. And then it happened again, I think, the following year. And, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on something sudden right. mustn't be right and, and that the book explained it. Yeah, it absolutely. I thought it was a typo or or you know you can 't always trust everything on the internet. I thought it can't be true, so uh, that was the book sort of uh clarified that too, after i'd already done a little bit of the research, but for a lot of folks out there, they don 't have to do that sort of research, they don 't know it but just by my uh, book. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's why I'm not trying to scare anybody off by saying it's a textbook, uh, because there is a lot of stuff in there that will get people sort of juicy and and loving it. But you know, it it is a great tool as well. So let's find out quickly what some fans have to say about all the things going on in the soaps. We have Marie, I believe, from Maryland. Marie, you're on Soap Central Live.
3: Well, hello. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Carolyn. I'm a big fan. How are you? Good. Good. I have a couple quick questions for you. My first question is, you posted up on Facebook a few weeks ago that you were thinking about maybe doing a farewell party to AMC on the last day of air, and I'm wondering if you were still thinking about doing that or if the whole online living on thing changed your mind about that.
1: No,
2: I am still thinking of doing that. I'm I'm looking at September 23rd at Blondie's in New York at 1 o'clock, and anyone who wants to come will put it up on the big screen. And we'll all watch it together, because
3: regardless of what happens when it moves online, it will not be exactly the same. Great, because I was planning to go, and that leads okay. me to my second question, because if I didn't see you then, I was going to ask you when you might be doing a book signing. Uh-oh. Well, I'm going to probably start
2: doing signings uh, August or September, and that's kind of up to the publisher. But we talked about you know uh, Chicago, Boston, New York, obviously, L.A., big cities mm-hmm. like that, Charlotte. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm happy to go anywhere. I love meeting people, and I love traveling, and I've never really gone to a place in America that I didn't like, so invite me.
3: <laughs> well, well, that's good because I have half a dozen books for you to sign for me, one for me and the other that I'm donating to Daytime Stars and Strikes because I'm one of Jerry's elves behind the scenes. Oh, with the nice, Jerry Verdorn. That's so nice. Love him. He's great. I agree. And um, I just wanted to ask you, um, what do you think is going to happen when we try to do two soaps with one production company and one soap's on one coast and one soap's on the other coast? How they going to make that work out? That's all to be
2: determined. Um, the uh, it'll happen obviously with all my children first. Uh, so I, my understanding is they're meeting with executives now and writers and figuring out who's going to be attached, and then they'll go to the actors and and see who you know has the time and and if uh, the show's going to stay in L. A. Which Someone told me it is, but it wouldn't shock me if they moved it back to New York. I mean, it's not like the actors aren't familiar with New York City. Um, so that's, I think that's all to be determined. But it's an exciting time for soaps, and if it weren't, it was fantastic, because then they better bring back God in Light and World Turns. And you know what? Throw in another world and Loving
3: and Santa Barbara while they're at it. I would love for to have all the soaps back in New York, because that would mean that our event goes on. So
0: I I'm think a lot of people... A lot of people, not even just the fact New York, Marie, I think a lot of people just want the soaps back on the air. So I want to thank you for calling in and asking your questions. Thank you very
2: much. I'll see you on
3: the 23rd. I will be there. Take care. Excellent.
0: Well, Carolyn, uh, Marie gives the really good uh, chance to segue into this. Of course, your book talks about that soap operas started on the radio, made a transition to television when television was sort of the new thing, and people didn't know if they would succeed, and... A lot didn't. Now we have a situation where all my children in One Life to Live are going to be moving from broadcast television to the Internet, which a lot of people still consider to be the new thing. So I want to get your opinion. Is this a case of the soaps again sort of leading the charge into a a new frontier? Or is this, as some have suggested, sort of a way to pacify soap fans to make them forget about the fact that they were canceled in the first place?
2: Well, like I said, it remains to be seen. I mean, our earlier conversation about electronics... Kind of plays into this. You know, do people have, do show fans have computers? Do they have the ability to watch, you know, uh, high quality, uh, you know, television shows on their computers? I mean, what if it's pay? You know, what if Project Park, Park says, you know, we want $5 a month to watch all my children? I, I know I would pay it. I think most people would. But, you know, that gets into a whole other area that's just, it's the same kind of frontier that television was for radio back in, you know the uh, 1937, when um, or no, I'm sorry, that's when they started on radio. In 19, you know, 51 to six when World Turn started, and then we're moving to TV. It's just how do we figure it out? There were a lot of bumps in the road. Um, there's a story in my book when Search for Tomorrow started, and they had a scene uh, that said this scene takes place at the mailbox, and you know that's all said, and the director started screaming. Mary Stewart told the story to the Museum of Broadcasting. You know, what mailbox? Where's the mailbox? Whose house is it at? Who's at the (laughs) mailbox? Is there mail in the mailbox? I mean, they didn't know how to set a scene because it had all been on radio. It didn't matter. On radio, all you needed was the sound of a mailbox opening, you know? So those were all kind of wrinkles to, to figure out for online. And, you know, the news is only a couple weeks old. So I'm as excited as everyone else to see where it goes.
0: Well, let's backtrack a little bit to not gloss over something for folks out there who want to get their copy of Afternoon Delight. I know they can go to thesoapbook.com, but where else can they go? What do they need to do in order to pick up a copy of the book?
2: Well, I think the soapbook.com is the best place right now because they have uh, – that has Kindle, iBook, Nook, you know, hooker by crook, you know, every way to buy a book <laughs> is on there. Uh, <laughs> it's also available on Amazon, but my understanding is that you get it faster if you go to thesoapbook.com, which is right from the publisher. And as of today, it's 20% off on that site. So, you know, you save a couple of bucks and you get the book faster. So I think that's what's not to like about that.
0: (laughs) And you know what? As uh, I guess Marie was saying, why not, if you're there, you can pick up a couple of copies uh, for gifts. It's it's a good put aside to wrap up and give to someone who you know is a soap fan uh, for a birthday or for whatever event might be coming up.
3: Well,
2: that's very nice of you to say, and I'm happy to sign them. I mean, if people have bought them and want to bring them to the event on the 23rd, uh, at Blondie's in September, I'm happy, I'm happy to sign any book anywhere I see someone, and uh, you know, hopefully if we are signings, you know, I can uh, you know, inscribe them to people and write my thoughts for the day, you know, like bring back Santa Barbara. <laughs>
0: And then tomorrow's will be bring back Passions, bring back Port Charles, bring back another world. There's a whole lot of bring backs that we could do.
2: (laughs) There's a whole lot of bring backs, right? Yeah. Although, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Passions. I didn't, I didn't, it was aimed at teenagers and it was too repetitive for me personally. That was, you know, Michael Logan and I love to have these fights. He just thought Passions was the greatest thing. He loved Jim Riley. He worried about it all the time. And I just didn't get it. I just thought, like, I watched Monday's episode. Don't spend Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday telling me what happened Monday. You know, but for younger people that were watching every day, they needed to repeat it more. So that, I mean, I realize I'm in the minority, but I did not get passions. I didn't get it. Did
0: you? It made me feel old. Uh, <laughs> I don't like to feel old, but I did. You know, every now and again, you tune in and, and you see uh, an orangutan as a nurse, and you have to sit and watch and see why is there an orangutan as a nurse. So,
2: <laughs> well, I have to say, the day that Timmy the doll had his operation, yeah. and that poor little actor died in real life, that was a that was a rough uh, life imitating art moment. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, um, Josh Ryan Evans. That was yes. yeah. That was one of those. People have always heard in TV history that, I guess, uh, uh, Lucille Ball, maybe, I think she she went into labor in real life the day that uh, little, little Ricky, Ricky was, was born. Um, yeah. But this was, I mean, this wasn't a celebration. This was sort of spooky, scary, and, and very sad to have someone so young uh, die so sort of unexpectedly. Oh, it was, my God,
2: it was horrible. And at the magazine, yeah. we didn't believe it. I remember that day, and we heard about it, and we said, no, the, the character died. That's not right. Everyone's confusing. People are confused. And then it turned out, holy cow, the actor died, too. It was really something. So yeah. there's lots of moments like that in soap operas.
0: Well, uh, you know, since you've opened the door for that, too, one of the things you also mentioned in the book uh, and elsewhere is that soap fans have a tendency to, how do we say, uh, maybe forgive certain things that happen on the soaps that aren't quite realistic or maybe totally believable but anyone who's not a soap fan who watches the same thing sort of rolls their eyes and that's what they point as a saying, no this is why soaps are stupid uh... so what is it about soap fans that will sort of allow them to accept the wink wink about you know someone not going to jail for example for you know killing half the town
2: well first of all we're smart so we know if someone does go to jail then we probably won't get to see them or their story's going to be stupid because what can they possibly do in jail? You know, there's no... I mean, unless they live in one of those towns with tons of conjugal visits and, you know, a rotating uh, door of suitors. Jeez. Um, you know, it's, its it puts an end to the story. So a character like Adam on Young and the Restless, it's a terrible character. He, there's nothing likable about him. But... Michael Mooney, the actor, is so magnetic and people really respond to the actor, so we kind of forgive the way the story has gone because we want to keep watching him personally. Um, and it, and we're in on the joke. You know, all these, I have a whole chapter called Soaps 101 where I just explain all these things about soaps, like no one ever carries money, and if, if a girl ever carries a purse, it's a big purse and it's to cover her pregnant belly in real life that she's hiding because her character's not pregnant, and like there's never been a DNA test in the history of soaps that wasn't switched. Otherwise, why <laughs> bother?
0: i think you're right and well let's ask a fan if uh you know sort of they have some things that they're willing to overlook we have jamie on the line i think from pittsburgh jamie are you there
2: yes i am dan hi actually hi caroline caroline sorry dan this is turbo
0: oh hey welcome to the show i'm fine so you know we finally got you on the show here let me ask you as a soap fan have there been some things that have been crazy in the history of your watching soaps that you've been willing to overlook because, well, because you like the character or because you just knew that it was a wink-wink to the audience?
3: Well,
2: I think that happens, like, weekly on the soaps that I watch. I'm a CBS girl. I heard Carolyn Caroline say when she was younger she was an ABC girl, I think. And um, just watching daily Young and the Restless and Bold and Beautiful right now with Bold and Beautiful, just the thing that's going on with Brooke Taylor Ridge. Oh, you know, how can Ridge go from loving Brooke completely to the next day asking Taylor to marry him? So there's one of those things that you just have to just boom jump over that because how does that happen? You know, it doesn't happen in the world, real world. World it only happens in the soaps. So, you know, so that's one of those storylines, but there are many many things that the fans, I think we all look over. Because we just watch it because it's a soap and it's entertaining and we enjoy it. And that's just the way I feel. But I do have a question for both of you.
1: Uh-oh. And okay. it
2: concerns It concerns the move from the television to the Internet. And not necessarily just all my children and one life to live doing this. Do you, either one of you, feel that this is going to be successful down the, the line for soaps, or is this just going to be some kind of experimental thing that they're, they're doing just to pacify the soap fans, or is it something that you, you guys think is really going to work? I think we've kind of talked about that. We really have to wait and see. You know, the, there's no actor names attached yet. If they get every actor on All My Children to the, play their roles on the Internet, it'll be wildly successful. Right.
0: And for me, I have to say that, you know, having or running, I guess I should say, but having started on the Internet when there wasn't advertising and now being to a point where there is advertising to be able to support a website, it really, to me, is going to come down to how are they going to finance this? Uh, I know what can be charged for the pre-roll ads that you see before any online video. And I'm trying to figure out in terms of the number of viewers and uh, putting that into context, and how many would they be able to show and uh, you know would they show them regularly after sort of segments like they do on the soaps? would they do product placement to me i 'm just seeing the dollar figure, and even though it 's not known, saying that soaps cost maybe about a million dollars a week or so to put together i'm uh, i 'm trying to figure out where they 're going to come up with the million dollars to to really make it work, but hey they obviously the folks at Prospect Park I would think uh, Carolyn had some sort of idea in their mind. They wouldn't have invested into this without knowing something, I would think.
2: I would agree. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I think, I think it's a fan, you know, I, I sit back and I, and I watch what they're doing and and this is something that the fans wanted. They wanted their shows to continue. But then in the same sense, I see some of those fans that are bad mouthing this move. It's not good enough. And I'm like, well, as a, as a longtime viewer of Guiding Light and As the World Turns, I would give an arm to be able to watch Guiding Light exactly. and As the World Turns online right now. And, you know, to see some of the, some of the, the way the fans are reacting, you know, um, very negative as to, you know, the success of Prospect Park. And I agree with both of you. I think it, we just need to give a chance to where it's going to go. No, We, we don't know. We, none of us know what's going to happen. And, you know, I think we need to, to do what you said, just sit back and, and let them do what they need to do. And I agree with you, Dan, too, as in the money thing that's going in my head. I'm thinking how are they going to be able to afford all these names and bring them, you know, online? It's going to be very expensive to continue to do that. But who's to say they don't have the money to do that? You know, we don't know because they're not saying
0: anything. So, right. Well, thank you, Jamie, for calling in, or Turbo if you prefer. I appreciate it. Okay, no problem. Talk to you both. Bye-bye. Thanks. Well, we're almost at the end of the show, Caroline, and there's a couple of other things I wanted to uh, talk to you because I think that uh, for a lot of people, there are certain issues that will really get them to perk up. And in reading your book and, of course, from knowing the history of, of soaps, it sort of blows my mind to think that, at one point in time, it was a big deal to introduce a Jewish character to a soap or to talk about HIV AIDS. Um, but, you know, the soaps have always been among the first programs, if not the first programs on television to bring these issues to the forefront. In a, in a time now where we have shows like 16 and Pregnant or 12 and Pregnant or whatever it is, uh, and, and, you know, and you have tabloid shows that talk 12,
2: about 12 and Pregnant and Killed by Their Father.
0: You know, absolutely. See, things like that or where you have shows that, uh, you know, talk about celebrities who say something stupid and then go to rehab. Uh, Have we gotten to a point now where we no longer need the soaps to educate us?
2: Uh, I'm going to say no to that question. Here's the difference to me. When a soap does a social issue, like One Life just did bullying with Shane, these are characters you're rooting for Shane. We were rooting for Gigi and Rax. And we were rooting against Jack Manning, and we wanted Blair to be smart and figure out that her son was acting horribly. But there were protagonists in the story that we were rooting for. On reality shows, each person's more disgusting than the next to me. You know, they're all drunk, they're all pregnant, they're beating each other up, the one who acts the worst gets the most screen time. And I don't like that. I don't want to spend my time watching people doing things I find abhorrent, much less people that are supposed to be real. You know? So to me, it's apples and oranges because Folks can tell they they tell the same stories with the same important message. Only there's a happy end. There's pretty much a happy ending, except for poor Gigi. Um, but there's people that you're at the end of the day you're going to want to keep watching. And on reality shows, there just aren't.
0: I have to. I, I do agree. Uh, I mean, there for people who uh, may have sent cards and flowers to Erica Kane when she was rehabilitating at the Betty Ford Center. Uh, yeah. I mean, people obviously care. You can you know, judge and talk amongst yourself about whether or not that's crazy to do that for a fictional character, but it does show that people care about what they're seeing on television.
2: Right. There's a story in the book about when Erica had the first uh, legal daytime abortion, and she got... uh, Agnes Nixon was, you know, smart and hedged her best, so she gave her toxoplasmosis or some disease like that where she could have really punished her and made her be barren or whatever if the fans hated the story. And all these doctors and people called up the ABC... uh, um, uh, telephone number in New York and said, oh, by the way, here's the the antibiotic to treat toxoplasmosis, and here's what she can do, and and don't worry, it's not fatal, and all these helpful calls came in from health professionals on how to cure Eric Cain, (laughs) which really makes me laugh. I mean, it was, you know, the early 70s, but still, I mean, if you, you think that people are knowing that it's a scripted show and that probably... Uh, Eric Kane in a few
0: weeks will have bounced back and will be a model again. I'm just... uh, See, that that sort of proves the point that it's not just uh, the stereotype that people have of the soaps. There are all sorts of people out there who watch the soaps, and as we're... Yeah, as we're, we're winding down here, I want to quick let everybody know that if they've missed any part of today's show or want to hear it again, be sure to check out the Subcentral Live page over on subcentral.com. You can click on Subcentral Live up in the blue navigation menu, or you can get there directly. By going to soapcentral.com slash radio. Once you're there, you can access every show that we've ever done. You can stream it. You can download it. You can do it all for free to your computer, your mobile phone, your tablet device, your iPod, all that stuff. I don't think we have an 8-track version. plug. Right?
2: Everything with a plug.
0: <laughs> everything with a plug. Like I said, I don't think there's an 8-track version, but, you know, hey, we'll, we'll work on that if it really makes a difference.
2: Or n- and, new Betamax? Is that the problem? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm holding out on that, too. I don't want to... Uh, tip my hands that's that's the future that's the future uh for everybody else like
3: "Where was betamax
0: i know (laughs) we've just lost half the viewers but before we lose the rest (laughs) i want to let everybody know to check out afternoon delight why Soaps still matter from carolyn hinsey it is a definite must read for soap fans and as i mentioned pick up a copy pick up two copies and you can give it to a soap fan for for a birthday for christmas never too soon thank you so much for dropping by today
2: Thank you so much. This was
0: really fun. It flew by. It See, it really does. So hopefully uh, we'll have more good soap news and we'll be able to have you on again sometime in the future. I'd be happy to. All right, everybody. That does bring us to the close of today's show. But like a good soap villain, you can count on me to come back. But unlike a soap villain, you don't have to wonder when I'm going to come back. I'll be back here just like I am every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. So be sure to check back next week for the continuing saga of Soap Central Live.